Hi, I'm A.B. Lovelady. Our next guest on the Very Black Male Show is one of Houston's very best artists and an overall interesting man to talk to. We met in his studio home across the street from TSU, Texas Southern University, here in Houston, Texas. His work and our conversation includes elements of science fiction, hip-hop, comic books, and black politics. I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Robert Pruitt. Stop hiding, stop hiding, stop hiding your face. Oh, the big show is opening. What's that? At Lawndale, you know the big show? No. It's a giant um, jury exhibition. They do it every every year at Lawndale. It's a cash prize. What is it like? You give them work. And yeah, you take your work up there. I don't know because it's a small fee, and um, they hire a curator to come. Oh, they had two of them. To jury, and oh. so those that person are in this case these two people, they look at they're looking at hundreds and hundreds of work, and they create an exhibition out of all of the submitted work, and then one person gets like a first prize, it's like three prizes. Mm. Yeah. Is it opening to submissions or open? Uh, to it's see? it's opening July twenty second. Oh. Yeah. I, one year, I won the big show, and the juror had a gallery in New York, and that's how I got my first New York gallery. That's dope. Yeah. Which was, I always forget about that. That was actually pretty nice. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just want to know um, about you, and... Um, you know, what your experience has been as first an artist and then just as a human, you know, growing up uh, and all that. So, are you from Houston? From Houston. Yeah. Which uh, part of town are you from? Um, I was born in Fourth Ward. Um, and then I think when I was about eight or nine, we moved to Third Ward. And, and so, most of my life has been spent Fourth Ward, Third Ward. We lived in Sunnyside for a few years. Sunnyside, South Park, so, you know, just yeah. South Side, Houston. What was that like, you know, growing up out there? In? Uh, Sunnyside, Fourth Ward. Uh, Fourth Ward was, you know, I was really young, so it seemed, you know, everything seemed perfect. My father um, was a funeral director, and he owned a funeral home in the neighborhood, and, you know, sort of had like a, um, like a presence in the, in, the, in the neighborhood, a smaller neighborhood, and, um, I think that really kind of informed a lot of my understanding of, of community. You know, like him having this like relationship with everybody in the neighborhood and you know, that kind of thing. Like, if you go to that neighborhood and say Pruitt, they all know, you know? They know Pops. Right. Um, well, everybody at some point had to meet him. You know, you're right. As a funeral director. Right. I mean, you know, in black neighborhoods, especially. You know, he, he was in business um, really his entire life. My family's been in the funeral business for years and years. 
Um, so you can imagine like being a business owner, like a black business owner in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and like you know, consistently doing that, you kind of like get to know a lot of people, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. When when were you born? I was born in '75. In 1975. So he had been in business for a while prior to your birth, then. Oh yeah, yeah. My father is eighty. I don't, I don't want to lie. He's still living. Yeah. That's he, dope. He is in his mid eighties. I forget exactly, but yeah. What was um. What was that like for you? Did you ever want to go into the funeral business? I know that's. Uh, mm, no, I I was never really that interested in doing it. You know, as I get older, I, I reflect on what that experience was like, and and you know, the older you get, the more you realize like the, you know, how your childhood may have been different than somebody else who wasn't doing that kind of thing, and like, like we lived in the funeral home, yeah, so like. Downstairs was the business. Upstairs is where we lived <clears throat> when we were older. And like more from. Uh, have you ever seen Bob's Burgers? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like Same, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean that we did that. You know, I think when we were about eight or nine, that's when we moved to. That might no. Anyway, we moved around so much, but we did that for a, a good while. Um, so like you know, friends would be afraid to come over and like. You know, this because I mean, there are dead bodies in the building, and you know, that freaks people out. Um, you know, so there was that kind of stuff. But once we moved out and just had like a regular like house or whatever, you know, that didn't happen so much. But yeah, but you never. Um, oh, like wanted to go into the business? No. No, like I mean, I I have always kind of just wanted to well. I mean, I was into comics as a kid. I've always wanted to like draw comics and be an artist and, and do that thing. When I was in college, like when I left high school, um, I remember telling him like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do this, but then I'm gonna go get my, uh, you know, funeral director's uh, license. license and, and, you know, but I knew I was lying when I said that. I mean, I'm sure he knew I was lying too, but, <laughs> you know. But the thing that I, I, I do remember is, you know he, you know he owned his own business, so he was his own boss, and it, I think it really affected me about. It really had this effect on me of of not wanting a boss, mm -hmm. like in that seeming abnormal having a boss. And so every, every job I've ever had, and I mean I don't, you know I'm not some sort of like rebellious, you know I have a problem with authority kind of thing, but I have quit every job just because those structures kind of annoy me. Mm -hmm. Is it picking up? My yeah, you're good. You're good. What are some of the jobs that you had? Uh, just regular stuff. My first job was at Fiesta, right around the street. Oh, right, right around the corner. Here. I worked there for one um, by the station museum. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah right over there. I started there when I was in high school and worked off and on for about six years. That job still really affects me to this day. Like just understanding corporations and employee manager relationships and there's so many bizarre and that particular fiesta like that corner is it's, it's such a microcosm of like you know this neighborhood poverty and just seeing people get arrested for stealing just I don't know 
so much stuff that went went down in that in that place. Just working there, just as a, I you know I was a sacker, then I was a cashier, then I worked in the courtesy booth, you know, cash and checks and stuff. Yeah. Did you have any uh, brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have um, an older brother who now has his own funeral home, and I have a, a younger sister and a younger brother. Um, my younger brother is going to TSU. My sister's just working. Oh here. Yeah. So. How did you get into comics? I mean, can I ask you that first? Like, before oh, I even ask you about art? Like most people, my older brother. Yeah. He was into it, and so I was into it. What was I, the first one? Man, I don't know what the first one was. I, so he collected the X-Men, and I collected Spider-Man. And so I, I have always had this, like, crazy, like, love of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. So between that, X-Men, Fantastic Four, those are the early comics I remember. And as a kid, I loved G.I. Joe, and so I was buying those comics as well. And that was kind of like my child, my entire childhood was that stuff, which is where I started drawing, you know. Drawing comics. Yeah. Hmm. Drawing those characters and things, you know. And so the first university that you went to, what what college was that? TSU, right across the street. It was TSU. Yeah. And were you already going there for, uh, you know, art? Uh, What was it that you were initially studying? I went, so, you know, obviously it's a, it's a fine arts program. Um, I lived across the street from TSU as a kid, just like today. Uh, I went to study art. Um, I had no real understanding of, like, how one got to be a comic book artist. Didn't know what, like, the work that I do now, like, showing in museums and galleries, that was a total, like, abstraction to me. I didn't know anything about that world. I was going to art school to learn about art so that I could, you know, draw for Marvel Comics. And, you know, tissues in the neighborhood. I could afford it, paid my way through, you know? Yeah. So. No doubt. Could you describe your studio really quick? I know we're sitting here in the, I don't know if this is the heart, but it feels like we're really close to the heart of Third Ward, right <laughs> next door to TSU. And um, I can hear cars passing by because it's a busy corridor right outside the window. Mm-hmm. Um, could you kind of describe some of the stuff that you've got in your studio, if you don't mind? The, the one thing you're not hearing at night, you hear the drums from the band. Yeah. They practice, and so it's like really close. Um, describe my studio. You don't have to spend too long on it, but I think yeah. it's a lot going on here. I, I mean, you know, it's a big space. You have a lot of wall space to hang stuff. have a big wall to work on, you know, big sheetrock wall that I built. Uh, but I do have a lot of images and pieces of paper and photos and albums and stuff kind of tacked up, taped up, leaning, you know, pictures of LeBron and KD, um, drawings I've done, some toys, Star Trek. I don't know, I keep a lot of stuff around me that um, keeps my mind excited and moving and, you know, things that kind of inform and Influenced me. A picture of my family when I was younger. Um, some comics. Some notes. Yeah. Um, what do you call these things? It's like this sort of uh, NASA tapestry. Tapestry of the the moon landing. I got that at some antique store. Some Kobe Bryant socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are pretty funny looking. Yeah. So, when you started at TSU, and mm-hmm. um, you know, what was what was TSU like for you? You know. Um, 
because you went to TSU and then you also later went to uh, UT University of Texas yeah. for a different uh, degree, which was well, you know, masters in fine arts. Yeah, right? masters. Yeah. Right. Got my undergraduate at TSU. Um, the you know the thing I remember is feeling very like awkward and and um, sort of like uh, ignorant because I didn't know anything about art. Okay. I didn't know anything about that world and just assume that everybody else did, like they were choosing this major, they're in this department. But very early on, particularly particularly in our drawing class, meeting people who basically were in the same situation as I was. And I remember specifically sitting in class one day <clears throat> and some people started talking about comics and this blew my mind. Like for me, my entire life, like. That was a very like private thing, you know. My brother read comics and my cousin, but outside of that, you know, I didn't know anybody else that was really into that stuff. And so it was like amazing that like, you know, like ten other people in, in this room in this building there had grown up doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, I like this too. Right, and it was it really like, it was such of a comforting kind of moment, you know. Mm. Um, and so that's the thing I remember is like, oh, okay, like, my people are here. You know, that I didn't even, didn't even know were my people. And so, and then like kind of learning to draw and, and yeah. Was your, was your, so your style today is very, um, I, I think of it as being very realistic. Um, there's like some, you know, a lot of space and I feel like alien references <laughs> to uh, the subjects which are, and the ones in front of us are, you know, African-American women. Um, you know, the one in the middle, she has something coming out of her, her uh, afro. It's like a Egyptian figurehead or something. And it's a it's a sculpture by uh, a black artist named Meta Warwick Fuller. Meta Warwick Fuller. And it's a sculpture called Ethiopia Awakening, which is like a woman in this uh, sort of almost mummified garb and it's falling away and you see her sort of like Egyptian uh, headdress and you know, she's just like proud, beautiful woman kind of. And, uh, I, a lot of I like to make reference to earlier black artists in the Renaissance and just throughout history to kind of, you know, keep that lineage as a connection to myself and to my own work. Yeah. So the, the, the when you met that comic group and you were in the arts at uh, uh, TSU, which was probably a completely different experience from University of Texas, right? Yes, okay. night and day. Okay, yeah. we'll get to that. But the, the What about, like, um, you know, your studies there is maybe found in, like, the elements of your work today? Um, so you see this this uh, Ebony Magazine right here on the wall? Ebony Magazine, The Negro Woman. Yeah, so the cover of that was done by an artist named Charles White. Charles White. You know Charles White? Charles White was an artist. Um, he taught Biggers. Todd Biggers. John uh, Biggers. At one point, he was married to Elizabeth Catlett. I don't know who that is. She's a Sounds uh, pretty. sculptor. She passed away a few years ago. She's an incredible artist as well. What's her name again? Elizabeth Catlett. Elizabeth Catlett. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, I think he even stole some of her work. Like, I think they had a very, like, you know... Well, I, I can't speak to their relationship, but just from hearing her talk, say a few things about it later, I, I imagine it was turbulent. Um, and he's I, like I'm a huge fan of Charles White, but I do think he kind of did some, <laughs> some like messed up stuff. Um, so what about the cover? 
Huh? What about the cover? Oh, so like, <laughs> yeah, I'll ramble. But like, I think for me, it is like the thing that he, the sort of like really incredible representation of blackness, of uh, of beauty, of of power, of black life, and that thing. How John Biggers then like took that and translated it into his own like uh, sort of like aesthetic and and series of ideas about uh, West Africa and. and how those things can be <clears throat> there there are there are elements of those things still found like in black life here in the south in the united states mm -hmm. um i think it is it is that melding of beauty and power and history that i still try to carry in my own work as well as the just the practical notion of illustrating black faces and bodies uh, and those are things that i've learned directly at tsu and, and grew to love <clears throat> at TSU. You grew to love yeah. the black bodies and the black faces? Oh, absolutely. I can't say I went into TSU with a, with a consciousness about that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it, it, it was developed there. This came out, this uh, magazine cover came out the year after you were born? No, that's, that's a 68, 66. Yeah. Did I was born in 75. Ah, so yeah. it, was, it dated, predated you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he taught Biggers, and then Biggers, you know, yeah. came to Texas, started TSU. But I think it's all rooted in, man, what's amazing is that, like, John Biggers studied under Charles White, um, Kerry James Marshall, do you know Kerry James Marshall? He's a painter, uh, he has a big uh, retrospective in Chicago right now, it's going to also move to the Met. Oh, yes. Um, there's a book, a catalog, right on the floor over there. All right. I'll grab it. But uh, so he studied under Charles White. Uh, David Hammonds studied under Charles White. And these are like, you know, giants in like the art world for, especially for, for black artists. I'm like, I don't know if people realize how much that stuff is rooted in Charles White. You know, that's just, I think about that all the time. Mm -hmm. like how we all <clears throat> kind of come from the same offsprings. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So when you, you know, um, I guess by the time you graduated, what was your, you know, what was your view of everything? Like, did you, what was your view of the world? Were you thinking of it as like, I want to get into the art industry now, you know, after those oh, four yeah. years? Oh yeah, by the time I had finished, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, It was comic books out the window. Yeah, I mean, once, you know, again, working at Fiesta, kind of understanding the nature of uh, corporations and that sort of thing, I'm realizing as much as I love the characters in Marvel Comics, like that's a corporation, and they kind of operate and function in like a very particular way, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I would have very little control over what was going on, even if I, you know, was hired as some artist to like illustrate a comic, yeah. you know, and realizing like, oh, if I have my own studio practice, you know, back to like my father owning his own business, I have no boss. Mm -hmm. Like I, I draw, I determine what I make. And, you know. How much time did you used to, um, you know, s spend uh, drawing at that point? Like, you know, how much time did you spend practicing your craft back then? At TSU? Know, um, or just like after you graduated, you know, were you already uh, headed directly into UT? Yeah, I went directly to UT. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I was wondering, like, how sure of, you know, using art, uh, as I guess in 
were you thinking of it as expression, income generation? You know, what was how were you looking at that world? That's like a question. I don't know. Um, I mean, definitely. I don't know if I would have used those terms, but definitely like expression and a way to communicate ideas, uh, a way to sort of comment on sort of like the social social position we were in, the politics that I was feeling at the time. What was that? I mean, I've always had a, a, a leaning towards like, you know, well, not always, but I think after college, like a leaning towards like black, liberal, radical, however you want to sort of start to, to you know, label this, this yeah. leaning towards like black power, you know, and how those things could be you know, just illustrated through, like, those movements need artists. And, you know, somebody has to kind of, like, illustrate some of those ideas. Switching from, I just, I'm kind of, like, going down your timeline right now, which is <laughs> Sorry, cool, man. you know. Um, as you, once you left TSU and went to UT, Austin, different city, uh, probably, I think, the biggest university in, this, in the state? I think so. 50,000 students when I was there. Coming from TSU, which whenever I go up there, it feels like a neighborhood, you know. Yeah, campus. I think there are like eight thousand. Yeah. Maybe not even that many. I might, I might not be right. Yeah. So could you? I don't know. Maybe. Um, how did that? What was that transition like? So by the time I started UT, like I, I was fairly confident about the direction I was going in, and so I mean, people fe- treated me fine. I think any sort of like. Um, any sort of pushback wouldn't wouldn't have felt. I wouldn't have been affected by it too strongly, because I was really kind of dedicated to like, you know, my own. Sometimes maybe even to my detriment, but like my own sort of like direction, you know. So I mean, there was definitely a culture shock. I mean, just in terms of. Going from a, a small school to a large school, going from a black school to, I mean, you know, we think of UT as a white school, but it's, you know, it's sort of diverse. Uh, you know, meeting artists who work in completely different ways. But, I mean, I was so excited about making work and. And, and just a, making dope stuff. Yeah, that yeah. everything was, was cool. Like, I didn't. And Austin, man. Austin is really nice. I, I really enjoyed my time in Austin. I I, I think I, I, I left Austin when I finished because it was just too it was sort of too easy to be there. And that's you know, you know, Houston is an easy city to kinda of live in. But Austin was really I don't know. I always tell people I feel like if I had stayed in Austin I would just be like working in like a record store right now. That's it. Super happy though. Yeah, maybe potentially, you know. Yeah. Who knows? But not really producing much, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When was like your first uh, first show that you can remember? My first solo show, or just like first um, uh, post college show? Um. Huh. I was in an exhibition. Um, and I think this might have been post UT uh, in in Austin. Uh, the head curator there, who used to be a curator at the CAM, Dana Fries Hansen, mm-hmm. uh, he put together an exhibition called uh, 
was it called? 21 to Watch? Something. I can't remember the title exactly. But it was a bunch of, it was a show of a bunch of like, you know, artists working. Up up and coming artists, uh, young people working. And I think that might have been like my first, you know, for me, big show. And I think it might have happened right after I finished. And that was great. It was cool. Like I, 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 and some other stuff came from that. Like I got a show. I invited to be in an exhibition in Dallas. That I think directly came from that museum. But you know, I was still sort of learning like how to do those things. And yeah. Did you? Um, are there any early lessons that you remember from like the art world at that point that you remember? Um, having to learn either, you know, through somebody passing it down to you or like the hard way? Um, did you know Bert Long? Uh, no, I, I never actually met him. So Bert Long, and I don't remember when he, when he was telling me this. I, I was actually talking about Bert Long yesterday, which is why he's on my mind. But he, I remember him telling me that he had been discovered multiple times. Are you Bird Long dreadlocks, or is that Bird Samples? That's Bird Samples. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. Bird Long passed away about two years ago. Artist. You just said you were talking to him yesterday. I was talking about him. Oh, yeah. I see. I I was randomly in the uh, Ghana, the Ghanaian consul, consulate <laughs> yesterday, <laughs> and which is run by all white people, strangely enough. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe that's how those things work. I don't know. So this woman was telling me about his work at a library, and I went to the library and saw it. And anyway, Bert, I remember him telling me, and I was still, you know, young. Basically, that your career where will have so many ebbs and flows that you can't really allow the, you know, this may seem like really obvious, but neither the peaks nor the valleys to sort of affect too much how you proceed and sort of like see yourself. And that when it's when you're in that valley to be preparing, I mean when you're at that peak to be preparing for that valley and that kind of thing. And I just remember him talking about being discovered so often. Like somebody new sees his work and suddenly, oh, there's this new artist, Bert Long. He's like, I've been doing this forever. What are you talking about? But you know, whatever. He's like, wanna give me a show, I'll take it, you know. Um and I remember that and I guess that's not a lesson I learned like firsthand, but I remember just being really affected by that. And that has like really kind of carried me just through my own career. Mm. You know, and always like maybe these are cliches, but you know, don't don't like not not burning bridges, but like kind of be respectful of people that you meet. Even if they seem like you may deem them unimportant for some reason. I mean the art world has like a short like turnaround. You meet some young art history student who's like five, six years from now, curator at some museum, and like, oh, I remember you, and that kind of thing, you know? And so it's best not to like, I don't know, be rude. It doesn't cost, it doesn't take much effort to like, be nice to people, and, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, earlier you mentioned uh, some of the work that you were great is in response to um, the way you feel black people are getting the shorts in the end of the stick. Um, what were some of those things that you noticed or that you felt? You know, because you, you described like, you know, 
your transition to UT as being one that was fluid, you know, and didn't really wasn't you didn't have any issues. Um, and I, yeah. I, I guess maybe I'm that's this is my prejudice, just assuming that most people are going to have a racist experience when they go to a uh, PWI or yeah. something like that. But you know, if you have had a um, I guess safe transition and what was those inspirations that you were drawing from you know from other people and who were some of those people's experiences like you know so you don't often need like a, a like a direct moment I mean just you know your show is very black male just sort of like for me the typical things that happen to us you know being pulled over or these relationships we have with the police. When I when I lived in Austin, I lived on the east side, which was a black neighborhood. And and the tension between that neighborhood, the gentrification that was happening, which I think is completely like, you know, it is it is that neighborhood is not the same, you know. And I'm a person that was moving there, going to UT, so in effect I was probably a gentrifier, not realizing it. But living there in that neighborhood really finding like the, the, the character and the color of the neighborhood to be like, you know, real interesting and, and, and like I got a lot of enjoyment out of living there. But there was a tension I find between what the university like kind of presented, not presented, what the university like brought to that neighborhood just, just because of its proximity. There's all this sort of like cheap property, so of course people are going in creating you know, living spaces for students. So that basically changes that neighborhood. And that neighborhood was full of, you know, all the good stuff that comes with blackness and all the bad stuff that comes with like, you know, poor neighborhoods and drugs and crime and all that kind of stuff. And so it was it was it was like moving from third war to third war. And so the the visible condition that we live in was as evident there as a, as it is here. And so that part of that fluidity you mentioned was probably just that, like moving to the same neighborhood in a sense, and like kind of still seeing how we, you know, so many people doing side hustles, just all this other stuff that was going on, you know, and that it just kind of fed it, the same stuff fed my worldview, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's just basically from living and living black, you know. Basically, yeah. Um, I can't say that Austin had any sort of particular like like racial impact despite the the I would say this the the line was a lot clearer I, I think I think just in that like this neighborhood like I said I live across the street from TSU my father owns a business dog there's a the level of black income in Houston is probably a lot different than at least that east side neighborhood I was living in in Austin so it was a Maybe the, the, the line was more striking, like the, the disparity, but it it felt just the same. Yeah. And at that time I was so sort of like focused on like my practice, like I was in the studio. Like I lived on the east side and I would see these things, you know in a barbershop and all that kind of stuff. But I did like spend a lot of time at school just trying to like get some work done and figure out myself and like, where I was going. 
Yeah. What were some of like, um, you know, those inspirations and the philosophies that you were picking up at the time? You know, like what were you, you know, what, what were you into at the time outside of just your work and your art? <laughs> you know? um, man, only thing, other thing I might have been into was was listening to music. Yeah. What were you listening to? Oh, just you know, rap music. Most of that, okay. All the whatever you know, all the sort of like '90s to early 2000s, sort of like what we might call like conscious rap music at the time, and, and so much good stuff. I feel like was coming out. I was really. It was like a very like good creative moment, and it was the first time I lived like on my own in another city, and I was really discovering, you know my own identity again, like who I was like when I was by myself, because you spend so much time alone. Because um, I can't say I found like a, a really tight like social network. I mean, I was cool with like my other classmates who you know, came out degrees, but it was, it was a very like, um, I don't want to say lonely, because I didn't feel lonely, but it was, I was alone, you know? Mm-hmm. But kind of enjoying the solitude, that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, question, I forget what your question was. Because I kind of just went off. No, that's good. Okay. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I said, what were some of the influences at the time? Oh, yeah. You know, and like, uh, you already mentioned Charles Wyatt, I suppose. This concludes part one of our discussion with Robert Pruitt. And part two will continue our conversation. This episode of The Very Black Mail Show is sponsored by Fiesta. The one by Almeida, next to the Sears. Yeah. Yeah, that one.